Hello, everybody. Welcome to session three in this training program, Raising Leaders for the 2020s. It's session three. We're actually in chapter two in the Vision Handbook. We've got that available for you. You can order it. You can get it also on PDF. And we're in chapter uh, three of this, uh, chapter two of this booklet, and it's session three. We're also using as a textbook, People with a Passion, my book on the cell vision, and in that we're chapter two. But all of this is there for you in the vision handbook. Today, we're talking about transforming your spiritual environment. I remember many years ago when we were working with Mission to London under the direction of the evangelist, international evangelist, Dr. Morris Sorello. And he was given an opportunity to be grilled by a very famous British uh, uh, journalist by the name of Andrew Neal. And Andrew Neal, at a certain point in this interview, asked Morris Sorello a very penetrating question, something to do with what, he, what his ideas were uh, of, of, you know, of the gospel, this kind of thing, what Andrew Neal's ideas were. And uh, he said to Morris, he said, what do you make of that? And Dr. Morris Sorello, in that inimitable way, just peered through his narrowing eyes, looked straight into the heart, mind and soul of Andrew Neal and said, you are the product of your spiritual environment. Powerful moment. In other words, what Dr. Morris Rosurlo was saying is that Andrew Neal and all of us, in many ways, we are, we are the product of our environment, our spiritual environment, what you've been brought up to believe, what the spiritual temperature that around you is, is often what is reflected because many people are just thermometers. And we want to be more than thermometers, we want to be thermostats. I've got my visual aid behind me here. This is... Um, both a thermometer and a thermostat. It operates our central uh, heating system. And first of all, it takes the ambient temperature. And, uh, uh, and if the ambient temperature is too high or too low, it, it adjusts the boiler. So it's not just a thermometer that takes the temperature. It also adjusts the temperature. It doesn't just reflect its environment. It actually... Uh, uh, makes the environment, changes the spiritual environment. It, it determines the spiritual environment. And I think many believers today, we are just thermometers. If we're living in a situation where it's pretty cold spiritually, where there's hardness of heart and people aren't passionate for the Lord, we tend to reflect that environment. Well, of course, the encouraging thing then, then is, is if we go to a place where there's a spiritual hothouse, we ourselves, uh, our temperature changes, our temperature rises. And, um, but the great thing is, is to be ready to change your spiritual environment. Now, Kensington Temple, down through the years, has been a spiritual hothouse. And we know that many people come and get involved in Kensington Temple. The spirit's environment surrounding that ministry has, has been changed over the years by the apostolic and prophetic and intercessory ministry of generations of red-hot believers who are changing the atmosphere. And I believe that the churches of London must set the atmosphere, the spiritual atmosphere and the, and the environment influence the spiritual environment, not just in London, but in different parts of the world. 
I remember experiencing this some, some time ago. Uh, so, for example, in Brazil, and I'm talking about, you know, the late the 1990s and on into the year 2000 and beyond. In the 1990s, when we started to go to Brazil and there were some of the marches for Jesus taking place, uh, it was just amazing to see hundreds and thousands statistics lose their meaning when some suggested that up to a million, two million were marching, uh, 20,000, 50,000, 60,000, 100,000 or more were gathering together in the great celebrations uh, of the, the, that march for Jesus. And what I did not know, they said to me at that time, five or ten years ago, people were ashamed to go down the street with an evangelical t-shirt because the spiritual environment was not conducive. Every other religion or the spiritual environment was hostile to the gospel. And then the environment changed. I also know from Bogota when we were in Bogota from the year 2000 and onwards, and we saw this spiritual environment had been transformed by the gospel, by the church, by praise, by worship, by celebrating Jesus, by preaching the gospel. And so if we are going to see the cell vision flourish, we have to change the spiritual environment. Very recently, uh, well, uh, not so very recently, but recently by the, when I was preparing this, I asked my primary 12, what, what are you up against? What do you find when you're talking to the men, when you're trying to encourage the men to grow and be on fire for Jesus? And I wrote the answers down. It's in, it's in the book, People with a Passion. They were saying such things as busyness, consumerism, selfishness, spirit of independence, complacency, false sense of security, media negativity, political correctness, and so on, liberal ethics, breakdown in community, and so many reasons why people are struggling uh, to get the message across and to get people passionate about Jesus. Now, when we look at that, Yes, that's true, these are the things that we fight against, but we must learn how to identify and overcome all of these barriers which have been erected by our flesh, which are at work in us as believers. A leader has to know how to locate, identify and overcome the negative aspects of spiritual environment as it works in people's minds and hearts and lives. And, and we've we, we got to see the importance of overcoming the spiritual environment in which we live so that we can, as we train to be leaders and take a step in, leaders, as in leadership, we will break down that spiritual environment, we'll get rid of its influences in our minds and hearts and also then become a thermostat to set the spiritual temperature, not just to reflect it. Now, there are many uh, challenges and behind these, I believe there are spiritual forces at work, doubt and unbelief, spiritual coldness, prayerlessness, mistrust, division, civilian mentality, that's a big one. In other words, people are saying, well, I'm not a soldier of Jesus Christ, you go and fight, you go and pray, you go and witness, you go and agonize, I'll just watch television and I'll go to a praise party. No, 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 no. We have to engage. We are at war and we can't have a civilian mentality at war. We have to engage with the enemy. Hardness of heart, lovelessness, and minding the things of self. All of these things are rooted in the flesh. Now the good news is we can overcome them 
by the Spirit of God. It says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, Paul says, This I say, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust, the desires of the flesh. Either this is a promise, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the desires of the flesh, or it is a, a command, walk in the Spirit and do not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Well, every command that God gives us, he gives us the capacity to, ful to fulfill that command by the Holy Spirit. So he says the Spirit lusts against, the, sorry, the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. These two are contrary to one another, so you cannot do the things that you wish. Which, What simply this means is this, you have to allow the Holy Spirit full access in your life and in your mind and to bring your mind to that place of conformity with the reality that is God, the mission that is ours and the mandate that God has given us. One of the things we have to work against is this, that we, we we give ourselves excuses. We make excuses all the time. Yes, I know I should be a cell leader, but these are my excuses. I'm too busy. I've just got married, or I want to get married, or I've just got a new job, or I haven't got a job. You know, I'm too busy. I'm not busy enough. All these things are excuses, and we rationalize them. What? Have you rationalized about your life that has prevented you from being on fire for Jesus? That has prevented you from transforming your spiritual environment and actually being a mere thermometer reflecting the ambient temperature, reflecting the situation. When our hearts carry the anointing for the ministry that God has given us, we are able to become like a greenhouse in the Arctic. We maintain an atmosphere that is conducive for growth and preserve our on-fire spirituality. It's like having a hothouse or a greenhouse. You know, you, you protect the plants from the frost and, or, or from the harsh sunlight and you keep them sheltered. And in that greenhouse, you can grow things very, very quickly. So you need to know how to ensure that you are living in a uh, an environment, a spiritual environment, a personal spiritual environment in which you can grow and how you can establish that spiritual environment in others. And there's in this chapter, in the, the People with a Passion chapter two, you will find a lot of information there. So uh, now, we have to draw the line in the sand and refuse to allow the spiritual atmosphere to affect us. We've got to tear down the strongholds around us that we can stand strong and make a difference. And this is a lot to do with mental attitude. It's what you tolerate. What you tolerate, you perpetuate. What you confront, you can change. Confront it in yourself. Have a look sometime as part of your homework. Isaiah chapter 35 which shows a transformed environment. And this is a point of contact for you to discuss. A transformed spiritual environment. The desert shall blossom as a rose. And you read that passage, Isaiah 35. The wilderness is flourishing because the environment changes through the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can change the environment of your heart, your mind, your home, your cell group, your church, your community, your city, your nation. The Holy Spirit can transform all of these things. But we need to know that there are a number of weapons that we have. Uh, the first weapon 
is the weapon of the word of God, which will change our thinking. You know, as they say, I heard this expression, I'm sure you've heard it, it's not original to me. Your attitude will determine your altitude. So a lot of your spiritual environment is determined by your attitude. And you can bring transformation through the renewing of your mind. You can transform your own environment, your internal environment, your own sacred space, the garden of your soul. You can transform that by uh, your attitudes. And when your mind is lined up and you know what Jesus is requiring of you, you know that your, your mind is lined up with the revelation of God and you are letting nothing in your mind or your life that is not in, in line with the word of God and with the mission of God and the vision of God for you and you then protect and guard your heart and guard your mind and keep your thoughts pure and keep your thoughts focused. When that happens, you begin to see a transformation. And this is what the cell ministry is about. And I want to say something now which I'll come back to. Uh, we have two kinds of cells, the leadership cells, and that's when leaders meet together to encourage one another and to disciple and train and to be together in fellowship and in unity. Then there are the open cells, which are open to non-believers, to people who are outside of your circle. And that's why the open cells should be outside of the church building. Very little is to be gained by getting people to come to your open cell in the church building. If they will do that, they will likely come to the church service. No, you must go out to where they are and to have in different parts of your city, of your community, out there in the marketplace, out there in the ho homes, in the entertainment places, in the cafes, in the bars, in the parks, in the places, public places, where you are a cell group meeting as a beacon of light, might just be a little pinnacle of light, but it's powerful and when we saturate our community and our environment with these little little uh, clusters of light we can transform our spiritual environment now i in the chapter two here in people with a passion there's a lot of content there i present seven statements that you must grapple with and if you understand your identity according to these principles you will change first of all the environment of your own mind and then you'll begin to influence others around you and change their environment here they are seven statements i am a world changer that's how you must think this is your identity I am a world changer. I've been put on this planet to make a difference, yes, to change the world. And you can change the world even if it's one person at a time. Secondly, I am a team player. Doing this on your own isolates yourself. That's not what this is about. We are working together. Christ lives in me. That's the third statement. Christ lives in me. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I am a friend of Jesus. Now, this is not just an affirmation. This is a demonstration of who you are. And a friend of Jesus is somebody that does what he says. I'm a friend of Jesus. You are my friends if you do what I've commanded you. That's what Jesus said. So when you say, I'm a friend of Jesus, it means you're following closely to Jesus. You're doing what he says. Another big one is, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed of the gospel. And do you know this, alongside intercession, uh, is one of the greatest things that will ever change an environment. It is not being ashamed of the gospel, speaking the gospel. And when the gospel is preached, Satan falls like lightning to the ground. 
That is what Jesus said. So therefore you are a spreader of the good news, number six. And number seven means you are making a difference. So I said those two things alter your spiritual environment more than anything else. Number one, preaching the gospel. Because the gospel is the message of light. It is the only power of God for salvation. And a nation will, will turn, its destiny will turn on its attitude to the gospel. So we preach the gospel. We defend the gospel. We live the gospel. We proclaim the gospel. We demonstrate the gospel. And when we do that, Satan's kingdom is pushed back. And then prayer and intercession. That is what really makes the difference. In Bogota, when we came back from Bogota all those years ago, the people in Britain said, oh, well, you know, they're living in a spiritual hothouse. Latin America's in revival. No, it wasn't always in revival. Not always in revival. It was dominated by, by a form of religiosity that is still a problem to this very day. No, but they broke through. They said, we will not tolerate what we're in. We won't accept this on our watch. We're going to act together and we're going to pray. We're going to intercede. We're going to pray for people to become Christians. We're going to disciple them in the faith. And we're going to break down that spiritual barrier. And we're going to change our spiritual environment. And that's what they did. First individuals, then whole communities uh, were, were transformed. And that's what can happen in this country, the United Kingdom. That's what can happen in your country, wherever you are. So I want to encourage you as we come to the end of this session. Meet with your mentor and discuss the two quotes that are found in this chapter, the second chapter in the Vision Handbook. The two quotes from people with a passion and, and ask yourself, what am I doing? Am I a product of my spiritual environment or am I transforming my spiritual environment? And to do this, it's not easy because sometimes you have to refuse to bow the knee to the family idol. What do you mean the family idol? Well, in this family, we believe this. In this family, we do that. Sometimes you have to break the idol of denominationalism. Not saying denominations are bad, but denominationalism is a wicked thing because it dominates people's thinking and puts people into a sectarian attitude and puts them into a traditional line of thinking which has to be broken if we're going to break free from these things. If what we are doing is successful, why do we have what we have? We can't keep on doing what we're doing and expect a different result. We need to break out of molds of traditional Christianity and traditional thinking and so that we can be we can be free in the spirit to bear fruit for Jesus name so together reflect honestly on the spiritual environment that you have in your cell or through the cell and that you are a part of and say has my cell group already now become just a reflection of a spiritual environment or is there more to it than that can I bring a real transformation can I bring a real change not just me on my own but as we work together so meditate on these things begin to reflect and ask yourself am I determining my spiritual environment or is it determining me I pray that God will release you from the bondage of being subservient to a spiritual environment, dictating and determining what you think and how you act and behave. And rather than that, that you become a world changer and say, I am going to set the temperature. I'm no longer going to be a thermometer. I'm going to be a thermostat for Jesus' sake. Amen and amen. Oh, God bless you. We will see you in the next session. Don't forget, 
reflect on these things and master them. And God bless you as you do so.